Sorry. That's all right. Season one, episode two, Buyer Basics. Woo! Hello and welcome to Get Real. I'm Josh Morgan, a.k.a. The Renovating Realtor, and I'm here with my extraordinary co-host, Gavin Townsend. We're going to be covering a wide range of topics here on Get Real. All that and more, coming up next. Yeah, we made it to our second episode. Yay! We've gotten such great feedback so far. We did. We did. I think that people are really excited, uh, like we thought, and I'm really glad to hear people um, giving us that feedback, saying that's a great idea, it's a great contribution to the uh, community, that you know we're talking to people about having them come on and, and speak as guests. They're really excited about that. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And um, you know, that we have actual community interest in something like this so we put a lot of effort into the project and i think we're seeing it kind of start to pay off and it's really that's super exciting really exciting you just don't ever really know the impact you have until people are coming up to you saying oh yeah i listened to your podcast it was great and can i be on it and i kind of felt like we were kind of celebrities last night at the chamber event because people were all talking about it and all the buzz. It was really exciting for everyone. I, I was just going to say that, you know, we were together last night and people were like, oh, I love that. You, yeah, great. And I was like, <laughs> what? What is this? Stop. Yeah. You know? It's cool. And it's cool because we're helping people, you know, and that's, it's, uh, it's not about us. It's about the content we're putting out there and um, our desire to collaborate with people and, and, and go that route. So I think... We're off to a great start. Yeah, I think we are too. And I think that today's episode, once we get into it, I think it'll be uh, really useful to a lot of different people, um, buyers, sellers, and even investors alike, because it's something that I've heard a lot of lately um, when I'm talking to my um, potential clients, right? People are like, I need to talk to you about, I need to talk to you about this. Mm -hmm. What do you, whoa, what's going on? Well, I have no idea what it takes to buy a house. And it's a great question because we're all coming at this at different experiences and times in our life. And if you've never had that transaction underneath your belt, how would you know where to begin? Well, and I guess how many times does a person buy a house in their life? You know, it's Good point. right. Not very many. It's not like going to work every day. Right. Right. It's, you don't just get up and you know what to do. It's not riding a bike, you know, if you don't do it every day or that often. I mean, what I, I don't have a statistic or anything, but what's what's someone buy a house maybe five times in their life? If that, maybe. Right. If that. I know I was talking to some folks uh, the other week, and they're like, I'm on, this is my second one. Second home. Yep. Second home in their life. So it, this is something you do and then just never think about it again. It's a big deal. You're not going to the dollar store to get napkins. You know, you're. It's it's a big life changing uh, decision, and it's a commitment. And yeah, you want to go about it right, especially those like you're just talking about your person there that had purchased before, but they hadn't done it in a while. Things have changed, and every transaction is different. So it's great for a refresher. We're kind of aiming this towards our first time home buyers, but as we said. This episode's really for folks, too, who haven't maybe had a transaction in a long time and done a purchase. Maybe you are interested in investing. It's not for your personal home. And also, I think there's another group out there that I want to give a shout out to. It's, it's the support system of the buyer because wow. it takes a lot of 
it takes a village, as they say. And so a lot of times you've got folks um, that are first-time home buyers, and they want their mom and dad to be there to help them make sure they're making the decision. Or they're going home at least venting to them about, this is so hard, it's not what I thought it was going to be. Um, so this one's for you guys, too. Your support system of the people that are buying. I think it's important that we um, provide this content to you so that you, too, have an understanding to support your people. Yeah, and I think that ultimately, you know, when we work with when we work with buyers or sellers, we're obviously we're representing them. We are, you know, ethically bound to have their best interests in um, in our mind. You know, they, we have to act in their best interest. But sometimes that can sometimes seem confusing because we're giving advice that is it may seem counterintuitive. And so, and I've been involved Good with point. this. That is like. Hey, I'm advising you to do X, Y, Z, and they might not agree with it, mm -hmm. but and that's okay. It's valid, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like you have there's you know buyer remorse and seller remorse, and you know this is a big decision. Should I do this? I don't know. All I have is you yeah. to, to tell me what to do. Yeah. And then if I'm not if I'm confused, do I 100% trust you? I've met you. When? What kind of relationship do we have? This isn't your, you know, this person I went to school with, or this isn't my lifelong friend telling me that, yeah, this is a good, this is a good decision, man. You definitely need to do this, you know. So when we deliver information or advice that may sound counterintuitive, like to take an offer that is less than asking. Yeah. There's so many nuances in every transaction has those and it has its flavor and it has its hiccups and so you know sometimes I get the the feeling that buyers can be or any you know seller or buyer today we're talking about buyers can be frustrated when they don't have an instant answer to something um, this is very much a people process and so we're dealing with teams of people and we're gonna get into that as we jump into these steps here Josh but you're dealing with teams of people it's just not you in a vacuum making a purchase. You're um, being held up in a process, maybe because of the lender, maybe because of the attorney, maybe because of the agent, maybe because of the seller, maybe because of yourself, because you're still thinking about something. It's a very human process. So I think without further ado, um, we can stop, collaborate, and listen, hey. and talk about our buyer basics. Our buyer basics. So I just, I just came up with this question, though, but who, so when you start a home a home buying process, who's involved? Who's involved in the transaction? What Great question? I mean, because the client sees you. Yes. Right? And you're the face of the tran you're the face of the transaction. Right? Yep. We are the face of the transaction. We're the managers. But, we're the quarterback. But how many people are involved in a typical real estate transaction? Let's count them off. Average. So it's gonna be so if you're a buyer, you have an agent that's representing you. There's one. Yep. And then if there's a seller, um, that agent that's representing you might also be the listing agent. That's dual agency, we we'll, can talk about that later, but a lot of times, most of the time, that's gonna be another agent, so there's two people. Both of you, both buyer and seller, will have counsel, so you both have an attorney. There's four people. If you, the buyer, are financing, you are working with a loan originator, there's another individual, we're now at five people okay but that's just a loan originator there's people behind those scenes too correct underwriters their team of people i mean there could be maybe a couple other two people in there too sometimes there's an assistant so where are we at six or seven almost appraiser 
We have an appraiser appointment. We have a home inspector. There's another person. Uh, you might have a specialist. Maybe you now have a well guy or you've got a Let's septic guy. I mean, we're, we're getting it, you know, we're, you guys can't see, but Josh has got nine fingers up now. I'm about ready to pull up to ten. Don't make me take off my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's what people don't realize. I mean, who else am I forgetting here? I know I'm forgetting somebody. So Your grandmother that loaned you the money. There can be um, up to, yeah, we need notes from her, right? We need signed notes, and, and we need to track those funds, right? So those, I mean, we're talking about potentially ten-plus people correct. in a transaction. That's right. And, you know, that's a lot of people, and yes. they all have their own agendas and goals mm -hmm. you know and a life too exactly so <laughs> so when you don't get a text back in 30 seconds there might be a really good reason for it so imagine trying i mean so for those of us that have children right imagine if you have more than two kids you kind of feel like sometimes it could be like herding cats mm -hmm. and it can be like that sometimes it can be like that sometimes trying to wrangle all these people That's into right. this transaction and get them going into the right direction, that is a part of our job. Yeah. That's a part of, a, of an agent's job is to one, be the face of the transaction, and two, to keep it going forward. Because yes. sometimes we have to ask the hard questions when a transaction is stalled or we hit a sticking point and we say, listen, everybody, what do we need to do to get this moving forward? And then you put that out there to the people and then someone might have an ask of you. And sometimes you're talking to the paralegal and not the attorney. And sometimes you're talking to somebody who is out in replacement for somebody that's on vacation. Because guess what? Life goes on for everybody, too. So you're looking at a dozen people, on average, of trying to get a deal together and close a deal. And so it, it takes a lot of moving parts. I always talk about in terms of teams. Um, and I, so that's why I always, when I'm talking to buyers and doing an onboarding and I talked about that with my own social media this week is you know what what's that appointment like when I'm setting up and trying to bring a buyer through the process and have this conversation with them right. I talk about my three P's patience persistence and preparedness because Josh we haven't even gotten into the market this is just a buyer step template for basics of what's going on in the market. Right. When we then superimpose what's going on in the market into any given situation, those three Ps become even more important depending on what's going on. So I think preparedness is huge. So even if you're somebody that's not going to buy tomorrow, you should be getting ready for the spring market where we can anticipate more listings. And so that preparedness now is the time to start getting ready. So, well, even, so there's a spring market? Sure. <laughs> There's always a spring market. There's a spring market. Well, what about, okay, so where are we, where are we now in the markets then? You're telling me that markets are seasonal? <laughs> they can be. Ah. So, and it depends. So you, everybody has heard this whole phrase that the market was crazy in the last couple of years. So I like to quantify and qualify what is crazy. There's a lot of different things that happened that created a perfect storm as to why that market was difficult for buyers. It was a market that was a seller's market in the best interest of the sellers on steroids, okay? So, you know, agents really became cook orders, short, short order cooks. Hey, buyer shows up. Um, I'm looking for this, this, this. Okay, it, we're not milling and drilling for buyers because there were more buyers than there were sellers um, and homes in inventory. So that's what made it crazy because you have all these competitive offers now and multiple offers in one house because if somebody likes that house, 
with low inventory, I'm willing to bet that there's another buyer or five or seven or 20 that liked it too. Right behind you. Do you want it or not? Do you want, it's <laughs> yeah. A, well, what's the details? It's a house. Do you want it or not? Yes. There's a person right behind you. I see him. He's about ready to knock you <laughs> Correct. over. Correct. Let's get this offer in. Right? And that's what was so, so he had so many buyers getting exhausted. You know, we even coined the buyer exhaustion. So patience, persistence, again, you know, those are those things that you might have missed out on a house or two or five or seven or 12, but it's just responding to that particular market of what was going on. So, um, so yeah, you, your, your question was, there's a spring market. Yes. I mean, in our seasonal uh, way of the world here, winter is a little bit more dormant. Not everybody wants to move or schlep through houses in the middle of winter when it's slushy, etc. Moving's terrible in the first place. Right. Moving in the winter is awful. <laughs> right. I've done it. I've right. done it. My first home purchase was moved in yeah February. We moved in February. <laughs> and there might have been some really good reasons, and we'll talk about this when we're talking about sellers, about why you might want to take advantage of these little gap markets where there's not a lot of activity, but that's another episode. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, spring market is when you know, you think about buds on trees and daffodils blooming and here come the houses. And so this is what we're hoping for. We're still in low inventory nationwide, yep. but we can anticipate. And as Josh and I are talking with sellers now preparing for spring listings, we can anticipate even in our own office, we know of listings that are going to be coming up. And yeah. so that's what we need our buyers to get ready for now. Yeah, we know of listings coming up. We can't offer so many details until they hit the market, but we know they're coming. And when we talk to um, buyers, you know, sometimes buyer conversations are, you know, I'm, I'm six months out, I'm eight months out. Right. I'm, you know, we're getting our, you know, I'll call it fi their finances, right? We're getting our finances in, in order. We're getting our house in order. Sure. Right. To get our down payments, get our uh, incidental costs, get all those things that are, you know, transactional. Yes. Getting them ready. And that's part of your preparedness, right? It is. And I think it's really important <laughs> for buyers to understand that you're going to have to know that this is gonna be almost like another full-time job. It requires your focus and your concentration, your organization. Your agent is there to guide you, um, manage you, et cetera, but you've gotta be available. When that house comes up, and if there's, God forbid, a delayed negotiation, and we'll get into all those things too, yeah. you gotta be ready to pounce. And so that's why that major responsibility of becoming a home buyer and determining what your time frame is, you gotta commit to it. And so what if, and step one, we're gonna you know, get into all this quickly and down to step two, when we talk about pre-approval for financing, if you end up getting to the point where you realize you've got some oopsies, like some credit to clean up, some bills to take care of, you better know that sooner than later so you can take advantage of the time. It might take you six months to a year to clear some things up, yep so that you are the best buyer you can be. I've also ran into those issues too. Mm -hmm. And that was when I, you know, when I first got into the, the business, right? And we came, first came into our first meeting and you said, Josh, what's, how's the week going? You know, what's going on? And I was like, eh, not great. And they're like, I can't be that bad. And I was like, no, it's, it's, you know, I had a deal and now it's gone. And they're like, what happened? I said, qualify your buyers. <laughs> that was the lesson learned. Bingo. You know, bingo, and bingo. it was a hard lesson, but it was a good lesson. It's a good exercise. But yeah, then that's that's what that's part of preparedness. Yeah. And you know, so, I did a little misstep on that, right? And that's okay, and that's how you learn. And I think, you know, everybody wants to jump in and start looking at houses and be very HDTV as I call it. That's and, the exciting part. Yeah, that's the exciting part. It's not all Chip and Joanna guys, you know, it's it's a process that can be laborious. So when I'm first connecting with a buyer, so yeah. maybe Josh, somebody called you, it's a friend of a friend, they saw you on social media. Exactly. Hey, I know that guy, he does this great podcast. 
can you talk me about buying? What do I have to do? It's what I call um, a buyer intake or what some people might call a initial interview. What are the questions that you might ask a buyer, an individual that's even just kind of thinking what the process is about, Josh? How would you start or conduct that interview? So, I mean, when I, get, when I go to, you know, talk to somebody about buying a, buying a home, it, um, you know, first of all, I want to ask, you know, well, I do want to check now that they're, pre- you know, have you talked to a, a, a lender? <laughs> do you have somebody, you know, that is, is helping you with this? Yep. Um, if they don't, then you want to, you know, kind of take note of that, right? Because you need to have, it takes money to buy a house. Um, there's not a lot of options where there's free money to buy a house. People don't usually just give you money. There right. are grants, but also that's a whole other thing too. That takes time. That might take educational courses. That takes, you know, things you need to go through. Like a, another full-time job. Yes, to obtain those things, right? And so we're, we're, we're checking the financing where, you know, if there's a spouse or other significant other involved, where are they? If you're not with, if you're not together, you know, when I meet you, where is that person? Who's the contact person? Who's going to be the decision maker? Yes. Who's going to be the actual purchaser? And so who's going to be there for the appointments? Now, it could be all the same team effort. It could be very delineated. And so asking those questions, like Josh has said, and getting those answers up front, who are the decision makers? Who's going to potentially be on the loan? Um, you know, who's really got the weight of the decision making is important for the agent to know, and you as buyers need to be able to answer those questions. Well, and in, in, in order for me to serve those clients the best way, I need to make sure that they're both on the same page. Yep. So that we're both headed in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Because the last thing I want to do is go forward, go look at a house, and prepare an offer for someone just for the spouse to pump the brakes on me <laughs> right before I'm ready to submit. Right. And they say, wait a minute, no, this doesn't, that's not what we want. Huh? What are we doing? Right. And, so and it's you, awkward and we're not here, we're here to help you with your goals, not create problems in your relationship. Absolutely so, not. help us help you. Yes, actually, yes, that's exactly right. And so I want to make sure that they're on the same page, right? Once we're, once we're on the same page, we I want to do expectations, right? I want to set some expectations of me, what you can expect from me, mm-hmm. and what I am going to expect from my buyer clients. Right. You know, we need participation, right? This is a participatory process. Yes. This is not just, you've got this, and then send me on my way. I will <laughs> find you all of the houses right. that fit your criteria. Right. You don't. You just sit back, sir or madam, and I will bring them to you. It's I, collaboration. I will bring you homes that fit your needs. I will set that up for you. But I also need you looking as well because I'm only human and I don't see everything. Right. So if there's something out there that fits the bill right. and you see it, send it to me. Kind of like, and this is kind of a good parlay into that, and what Josh is describing is what I call buyer rules. Yeah. You know, what it, and so coming up with the boundaries of uh, and the best ways to communicate, is it text, is it email, is it a phone call, is it email, is it between these certain hours? When are you, ma'am, sir, working your job? When am I available? 24-7 for the most part. Communication is key, right? Communication is key and, and setting that up of what's the best way to communicate with you and when. Um, you know, that's got to be all part of it. And so, again, when we do get to the part where we get into the fun things and we start talking about how many bedrooms you want, how many bathrooms, where are you thinking and all that, 
again, we don't see everything because some things aren't really in the multiple listing service, and we'll talk about that a little bit too, what that is. Searchable. We can't right. search for everything. Right. Sometimes it's a for sale by owner, or you'll hear us refer to it as a FISBO. So that might be somebody put a sign in their yard, you can sell your own house. Um, and it might not be searchable and listable, you know? So sometimes people will say, I keep driving by this house and it seems to be empty. Can you look into that for me? Yeah, but it might be a wild goose chase too. So it certainly is a collaboration. If you have a tip on someone or somebody in the family you know is gonna be buying something and things like that and it's, still, it's not listed yet, yeah, we can still work with you on all that, but we, it requires our collaboration and communication. So I think after I go over the, the buyer's rules, as you know, Gavin calls it, and that's a good name for it, right? It is, it is a, there's rules. There's, <laughs> there's rules to the transaction. And the next thing I wanna talk about is budget. What do you think? Even if you haven't spoken with a a lender, a, you know, a lender, you know, I want to know what you think you're affording. Mm -hmm. What is your thought process on this? Because I I want to know that. And if I have an idea of that beforehand, what I've done is I've you know I've taken that budget that I think, and I get a few listings right from the MLS right, and and I say okay, and they say oh, our budget's one fifty. All right. Let's put that into the MLS. Let's pull a few that are at 150. This is what a $150,000 house looks like right now in this area. Does that match what you're expecting to purchase? Mm -hmm. Is or are you looking for something more? Right. Because even when we get to the point when we're talking about your loan officer and meeting with them and asking a series of questions and getting to the point of pre-approval or pre-commitment, etc whatever your limit might be there might be very different from your budget. They might approve you for $500,000, but yes. you might not want to be paying for that. I wouldn't advise Or that. vice versa, right, don't blow your wad. Um, you might also be like, well, I really was thinking about houses in the 250 range and I guess I don't qualify for anything higher than 199 right now. Okay, so are we going to wait? Are we gonna to work towards that? And then there's all sorts of different loan types and we're gonna get into that too, but I wanna loop back to the, um, to the buyer rules, um, you know, one thing I always tell my clients as we're sitting down in this initial interview and talking about what to expect, our expectations, our buyer rules, is that you gotta keep an open mind. So, you know, I I've, can't tell you how many times I've been sitting with a buyer and they said, I do not wanna live in this area. I am not going to live there. And guess what they put end up putting an offer in on and living yeah. in and loving it. The area that they absolutely did not want. Yep. And, and, and that's fine, right? Right, and, and that's okay. That's why we keep an open mind. And I always say we want to cast a wider net, especially in a market that still has low inventory. So, it, and I tell people when it gets to the point where we're checking boxes, needs versus wants and all that too, but when it checks 90% of your needs, that's when it's time to put an offer in, you know? Right. So that's really, there are no perfect houses out there. If there is, that means that somebody else knows it's perfect too and you're gonna have some competition. And so, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. And so when I was talking about, you know, we go over budget and I show them a few houses at that number, if I know that, you know, I, right. that's obviously ideal. But if I don't, you know, if I can show them something and say, okay, now let's talk, like you said, wants and needs. Yeah. Let's list those out. Let's say, what's a want? You know, what's, let's take one, what's two. What's a deal breaker? What's one, two, and three? Give yep. me your three top priorities. What does this house have to have? Right. Right. And then say, okay, what's a, you know, what's a, what's a need? This is, I need this. What do I want? And then, as you said, what are the deal breakers? If this house has this, or if this house is here, 
I can't. I can't do that. Right. Okay? And in this area, a lot of times when we're talking, so what's an example of a necessity? I have to have a three-bedroom minimally. Okay, good. So we shouldn't be looking at houses that have two. We should be looking at three and more. That's an example of a need. I've got to be in this particular county because maybe, or this a particular school district. Job. Because, right, my job. My kids are enrolled in school. I'm not changing school district. So those are non-negotiables. Those are things that you're going to want. Um, deal breakers might be in our area. If it's on well water, I can't cope. Okay, so if you're telling me you can't be on well and septic, and we know that we are in an agricultural area yeah. in the Glow region, then we are looking at city hookup, and that's where you're gonna be. So when you hear the whole thing, buyers are liars, it's because you just told me you're not gonna live in the city of Batavia. You refuse to. However, you refuse to be on septic or well. So we have to make sure that we're gonna end up being in an area that's gonna, maybe you're not gonna end up in the city of Batavia proper, but you're gonna have to have those um, you know, conveniences that you're looking for. And it might not be that house out in the middle of the country. You love the idea of the acreage in the space and no neighbors. I hear it all the time. I don't want any neighbors. That's kind of sad to me. She's going to hate me for this, but my wife said that. When we first <laughs> I don't started, want neighbors. When we first started looking for houses, she's like, I don't want neighbors. And I was like, all right, you know, that's awesome. And I'm going to kind of, you know, I don't make no neighbor money yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's a good point. I don't, I don't, we can get and there. And were you guys all about gung ho about being on well and septic? And if that was going to present itself, maybe or maybe not. It never really came up, but you know, it's a first time home buyer. Maybe we're gonna you are. Build, we can maybe you build, grew up with it. We can build up to that. Right. Yeah. That's what I said. This is going to be a process and we're going to build up to that. Yeah. I said, but you know, sometimes people, that's where they grew up. Yes. That was their upbringing. But you know, when they look at their parents, I said, well, well, how long ago did they have that house? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, they've been, you know, they, it took them 30 years to get there? All right, it's a marathon. Right. It's a marathon, not a sprint. That's right? true. That's a good analogy. It's your first house. It's, it might not be the last house. You might be in your dream house all your life. Wow, that's huge. But that might not be how you start with your first purchase. And I think it's also, it's, it's a good idea to illustrate to a potential first-time home buyer that, this house will not, might not be, and probably is not going to be your last house. It's not your forever home, right. but it is a springboard for you to build equity and use that equity to then leverage into your next home. So Josh, a lot of people would say, well, what's equity? How would, how do you describe that to your clients? Yeah, equity is the, well, the dollar amount. It's the difference between what the home is worth versus what you owe on it, mm -hmm. right? That's your equity. That's the gap. So you can use that, and this is when you get a little bit more advanced or complicated, you know, you can use that dollar amount and that figure at a percentage to purchase your next home. Yeah. Or what we, we would call as, you know, if you already own a home and you're purchasing your second home, that's your net proceeds mm -hmm. to your sale. So your net proceeds to your sale is what you're gonna use, maybe, possibly, if you're contingent, if you're not contingent, then you don't need those funds, right? Right. So these are all things that, you know, are when, and I know people sometimes get frustrated because they ask us these questions and we go, it depends. It depends. <laughs> but it does. It depends. It's, it's a very unique situation. Every transaction, every scenario is as unique as the buyer themselves. But I think that's the fun for me and maybe for you, Gavin, that this is the fun thing about real estate is because there are so many ways to make a deal happen that's right there's so many ways it's, it's it's creativity what what kind of it all depends on your financial position your equity mm -hmm. your you know what are you doing what do you have leverage in the house do you want to keep that house or are you right. selling that house what are we doing I'm a strong cash buyer 
okay, but you know, maybe you don't want to put all that cash, spend it all right, right. now, right now. Okay, well maybe we can offer slightly more, but it's going to be a financed offer. Maybe we can bump down the down payment, but prepay this. And those are all things that your lender can help you with too. They're, they're all, they're, it's all a scenario and there's so many different, I'd say, you know, toggles and switches and slides. Absolutely. I think slides is the best, right? Yep. Is you can, okay, we're going to slide this up a little bit, but we're going to back this down. And it all nets out to the same result. That's what we want. It's just what's best for our buyer in that situation for that home. Right. And if we can meet the seller where they want. How does the, how do we make this work for you? Yes. And there's, it's, it's not a cookie cutter answer. That's for sure. Um, I, I think other things when we're talking about buyer rules too is I think a lot of times folks don't understand that when you're working with an agent, they're not a salaried person. No. Okay. No one gets paid. No one makes a dime until that transaction closes. Which if and when you come under contract and you get to the closing date. Which in New York state is how long? It depends. It depends. <laughs> Our favorite phrase there, uh, anywhere from 30 to 60 days, if not longer. And if yeah. that, that's if everything goes smooth as silk. And so that's going to be another one of those things. On the contract, well, we put on the contract that we're closing February 14th. Mm -hmm. It's always a goal. And your attorneys are going to tell you that too. So you have to understand that when you start this relationship with an agent um, and you're, you're working together to accommodate one another's schedules and the agent's going to bend over backwards to get you in for showings and do this and schedule a day where maybe you're doing multiple showings, et cetera, in writing contracts and maybe you miss out on a couple or maybe you strike gold and get your offer and come under contract quickly, that agent doesn't make a dime until you get to the closing table and you close. And I don't think that everybody understands that. Um, and it's, it's important that buyers do because you want to be collaborating with somebody that you know, like, and trust. Um, and sometimes you're going to find that you don't have the right fit and we're all entitled to get the good fit. But I think it's important to know that up front. I think it's important to be respectful of one another's time. Um, that you know, time is of the essence with a lot of these things, and they're time sensitive. So yeah. you got to react. You got to get back to people, vice versa, with the agent to the client, and vice versa. Um, you got to you got to know that you can still go to open houses, and you can do that when you've decided and you've committed to working with an agent. Yes, go to the open house. It's a great opportunity to not have to bug the agent. Can you get me in here to see it? You can kind of look at your competition too. But the first thing that should be out of your mouth when you walk in that open house is, hi, I'm working with Josh Morgan. He's yeah. my agent. Exactly. Um, you know, because it's not that there's a willingness for whoever's hosting that open house to poach your client, but sometimes I feel as if buyers don't understand the relationship. And so, you know, things fall apart. You might end up working with one agent and then it falls by the wayside and you start working with somebody else because then lo and behold you realize you had a family member that was an agent or a salesperson right. but I think it's important that agents talk about this up front and sometimes agents will talk to a client after substantive contact about signing a buyer's agreement Josh have you done that with your clients no I haven't I am familiar with it um, but I've, I've not done it yet um, so you're talking about an exclusive buyer's uh, exclusive right to represent I am. A agreement. I think that's the formal term for I it, am. if you see that, you know, form or con you know, agreement come Yeah, along. and that might be a really awkward conversation. It's really up to the agent, certainly up to the to the buyer, but don't be surprised buyers if after a few showings and really developing a relationship and knowing that you do want to work together, um, your agent might 
you know, suggest or introduce this buyer's agreement to say, listen, you know, I want to work with you and I want to commit my time to you. Maybe I only work with 10 buyers at a time. Maybe I only work with three. Right. If you want to reserve one of those spots, I need to know that you're as committed to me as I am is committed to you. So here is an agreement and, you know, terms are negotiable, et cetera. But don't be surprised, buyers, if you have a, an agent that's very busy and only takes on so many buyers and you know you want to work with that agent, they might introduce the idea of the buyer's agreement so that you're committed to each other until you get your goal. And I don't think that's a bad thing because as a buyer, if you sign that agreement, then you have an expectation and a document to hold your agent to as well. Exactly. It's accountability. A, if they're a laggard, you know, it's a, say, oh, yeah, everyone's got things going on in their life, but... I signed this agreement with you because I wanted to work with you and I expect you to do something. Yes. You know? And so I don't think I'm asking too much in this instance, but help me out here. Right? right. No one wants to hold anyone hostage and say, well, you signed this agreement and now I'm going to sit back and, you know, whatever. It is about committing to each other because, again, this word that we're going to keep using, it's collaboration. You're both working together to accomplish your real estate goals. Yeah. So we've gone through the initial interview process, right? What we do with our buyers, we set expectations, we prepare them, we make sure that their budget is in check. We, you know, maybe show them a, a couple things of what's on our on our market at the time mm -hmm. and what condition properties they might be expecting, you know, how averse they are to making repairs or minor repairs, how handy are these folks. Right. You Give know. them a little bit of a market update. Here's what's going on this week. This is what we're seeing. Yep. Absolutely. Things like that. So, and we've established our buyer rules. After we've done that, we, we're, we're moving on to the next step, right? We're, we're really talking about the finances. Yeah. We're moving into connecting you with a lender. Right. And everybody. If you're not a cash buyer. If you're not a cash buyer. If you're not a cash buyer. But even. If you are, you might want to look at your options. You might want to have someone on deck because again, I've always, I've said this, it depends. Because maybe you do find a property and if you're a cash buyer and you have that money sitting around then you, you have a lot of buying power. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of buying power. And so maybe you can turn that into a finance offer with a strong, strong down payment. Yes. Right? And that's yes. what you don't want to shell out all of that money or you want to go a little bit, you find that you want to go a little bit further. Mm -hmm. Right? These are all things that a lender can help you with, a, a mortgage consultant. And that's a great point because, you know, when we do that initial interview and we're talking about kind of what to expect and how we're going to start working together, et cetera, we, one of our goals is always to start getting you on auto emails from the MLS, sending you listings with your criteria, et cetera. But the point is moot until we really know what your buying power is and what your budget is. So don't be offended or think, well, we're not going to go look at a house today. No, we're not because we're not going to dangle candy in front of a baby of a $250,000 house when you only qualify for fifty. Right. We're not going to do that to you. That's why you're working with an agent that's guiding you through these steps. So the next thing we're going to do, likely after that initial interview and introduction, is to start talking about lenders. And if you don't already have somebody that you're working with or you're not already pre-qualified or you don't have a bank that you're really invested in or somebody that gave you a personal reference, we, we as agents always have folks that we recommend. We have people. And we work with, we work with more than one person. Of course. We work with a team of people people because different lenders do different loans, different lenders specialize in different loans. I think we're fortunate enough, Gavin, here at Hunt, um, we work, Hunt has an in-house, you know, Hunt Mortgage Corporation. Yep. They're excellent. All of the representatives there are great. They work with our buyers, but you know, they're not the only ones as well. And these people know this. 
right? Exactly. There's, we're really, um, like I said last episode, we're really lucky to live in a community where we have a, a, a great number of great agents in different brokerages. And the same is the case for um, our mortgage companies in the area too. So it's always about finding the right fit that's best for our client. And so getting a second opinion or a second look, and maybe you're pre-qualified with one bank, but then you want to get a second look and see if you get a more competitive rate elsewhere, we encourage you to do that. Yeah, it's, it's all, it's, everybody wants the business and we want to spread the business around, but it's, it's in our, it's in our best interest to make sure that our clients are taken care of. Absolutely. And whatever works for them. If they're going into an FHA program because that's, that's what's affordable to them and that's what they're comfortable with, that's great. Obviously, it's really nice to see cash and conventional buyers as an agent because it's really great to write those offers, but that's not always the case. And I think in the market that's coming up, we're seeing a lot of these things come back. Yes, you're seeing a more variety of loan types. FHA, USDA, concessions. Yes, we VA. Heard, we haven't heard VA. Yes, thank you. Uh, we haven't seen those things in the past two years. Right? Which is exciting because now it's going to be, there's a little bit more buyer empowerment, if you will. Yeah. And if, if we're throwing out all this alphabet soup at you right now and you're not sure what these type of loan types are, this is something that your lender and us in our initial uh, interviews with you as buyers, we're going to talk about those different loan types and your lender is going to be your source person who's going to couple you with what's going to be the best fit for you. So when we say things like FHA, what we're talking about is the Federal Housing Authority's federal loan program. And so it has different requirements to qualify than a conventional, than a USDA. Yes, U.S. Department of Agriculture. And we are in a rural area, but believe it or not, 98% of this country qualifies for USDA loans. Um, but we will go into all those loan types in detail with you, as will your lender, to see what's the best fit for you. Our goal as your agent is to always put together when you're ready to put an offer in, to put together the most competitive offer possible. But it's gotta be with what you're able to do in your realm of comfort and your financial capacity. So this is the big piece that we really have to focus on. Yeah, this is important. You know, We really can't go anywhere further until you get the lender portion um, you know, organized and straightened out because then that produces, you know, the next, well, what's going to result in the pre-qual or the pre-approval and that's what's going to allow us to go house shopping. Absolutely. Right? Because sometimes, Josh, what do listings do? Sometimes they won't let you in the door unless you have that pre-qual Yeah, letter. don't talk to me. Don't talk to me unless you have pre-qual. <laughs> that's, you know, especially on hot listings. Right. Because you know, I know that, you know, when we talk about on the selling side, right, which is going to be later on, it's, price, condition, location. Mm -hmm. If my property is is the right price, in the right condition, and in the right location, I know I'm going to get traffic. Right. Don't waste my time. And think about it too, guys. I always tell you, you're going to hear me say this over and over again, <laughs> buyers have to think like sellers and sellers have to think like buyers. You might not have any idea at this point in time what that means, but that's what your agent's going to help you with. Yep. And so when you're a buyer, you've got to think like a seller. Let's say I'm selling my house and I'm an owner-occupant still. I can't go buy my next house until I sell this one. We are inviting ourselves into, we are requesting an appointment to go into somebody's home. Put yourself in their shoes. Do they want just anybody to show up and come on in? I and mean, we have access to their home. So it's not absurd to require that somebody shows proof of funds if you're a cash buyer, or if you've got that pre-approval or pre-commitment for a mortgage to show that you're a serious buyer. 
And I guess you can look at it this way, right? When you think about, well, it's not unreasonable. Your house is for sale. I should be able to come look at it. And it's like, okay, if a salesman comes up to your door and knocks on your door and you answer it and it's 6.30 at night and says, hey, can I come in? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? What are you here for? No, yeah. Who, right. are, who are you? Right. It's the first thing I'm asking. It's a vetting thing. It's who, vetting. Who are you? What do you want? What right. is the goal? Uh, what are you doing? Right. And those are all questions that are outlined in the prequel. Yes. It's who you are. Yes. What you're doing. Yeah. What you know? What your you know, uh, how you know? What's your qualification? Can you even buy this house? Yes, exactly. Can you even buy this house? Because we're wasting each other's time, obviously, and we're compromising the safety and security of somebody if we're not. And it's inconvenient. It's inconvenient to be able to schedule these things sometimes. And it's like, well, can you be out of your house from eleven to two? Mm -hmm. Well, my I have three kids, and I'd like to feed them and lunch. a dog, and I'd like to feed them lunch at some time. Exactly. You know, well, can you just maybe get some McDonald's? Okay, that's that's fifty two dollars. So that's part that's part of the vetting process, and I think buyers need to understand that too. Your agent is working with other agents to call when there's a listing that you want to go see, and they're they're making an appointment, and that agent's then connecting with their seller to make sure that they can vacate the home to get in there, et cetera. And you're not the only person likely looking at the home. Right. So this is a vetting process. It's safety, it's security, it's professionalism. It's not a lot to ask if you are a serious home buyer. This pre-approval process is not just to measure your buying capacity. It's the vetting process to make sure you're a qualified buyer and have business looking at houses. So we decided on a lender. What is the lender what does the lender do? What are they what are they doing for this prequel? So kind of very similar to our initial interview with buyers. They're gonna sit down either in person or on a phone call, etc., and ask you a series of questions. They're gonna to want to know about your work history. They're gonna to want to know about your credit. They're gonna to want to run a credit report. So a lot of times we'll say, hey, hold up, done. I'm done here. I can't do this. If they can't run your credit, then we don't it's one of those integers that is a necessity to pre-qualify you. If there's a reason that you're uncomfortable with that, then that says right away that you've got some work to do. Sometimes, too, folks, there's a lot of different things they're going to ask you, any debt you've got, et cetera. But what I find, too, is that if you're really serious and you want to buy that house and you're maybe not financially in a place where you want to be right now, having that initial interview and meeting with a lender and a loan originator might also give you the tips and tricks you need to get you in the position to be a great buyer, maybe in six months' time or longer or whatever it takes. So I think, yeah, and what they're doing is, I think what we said is they're establishing a buyer profile. Yes. They're establishing a profile on you, and it's not a bad type of big brother type of profile. It's no. it's a It's a profile to help you and fit you into the best product possible mm -hmm. that fits your needs, that gets you to your goal, because we're all goal-oriented, and that's what we want to do. The, the goal is to purchase a home and close, a home, close mm -hmm. on a home, okay? And so what's going to get you there, and what's going to get you there in make you feel good about it, not icky. We don't want anybody closing on a home there is like, eh, I don't know if I should have done this, you know? Yeah, it's an education every step of the way. So when they build that, when they're building that buyer profile and they're, you know, running all, they're asking all these questions, you know, what they're doing is they're getting to know you and they're saying, so if something changes in your situation, it's they know what to do. They can shift and slide those, those they can move those slides to make sure that, okay, that's fine. We can move this over here. Does it work? Yep, it still works. Okay, so you really want to keep in contact with that person. Yep. You want to keep in contact with your agent, and yep. your agent is also in contact 
with your lender. That's right. And it's a team. So again, going back to the beginning of the episode today where Josh was talking about how many people does it take to buy a house? Your team's being formulated as you speak with your agent, you, if it's you and another individual buying the house together, and now your loan originator. Here's where the team begins, and you all work together. Everyone has their role, but we all work collaboratively as well. Absolutely. And when Josh is talking about these products, he's talking about the loan types. So, you know, sometimes you'll hear that I was told I can't buy a house unless I have, you know, 20% down minimally or $50,000, and how am I ever gonna do that? That's not true. There are different products for loans, different types, the FHA, et cetera, and they have different um, marks of eligibility and different um, minimums for down payment. So if you know you're not going to be able to be up at that level of a conventional loan, which can be as low as 5%, people. It's not always 20% down. Yeah. So you're talking about vastly different uh, amount of buku that you're going to have to put down. But sometimes if you know, I don't even have the 5%, you might qualify for an FHA loan that's the 3.5% down. Again, lots of details. This could be a whole other episode, but these are the things that your loan originator is going to talk to you about, and that's why you should really know, like, and trust that person, too. Yeah, and we're definitely, I think we're going to get to that as well. We're going to have, we're going to have those people speak as guests on here. Absolutely. Because they're the authoritative figures on these things, right? And so to get to the bottom of that and to be able to know what's going on, we need to speak to those people. So we've gone through the process. They built the buyer profile. We've gotten, we've got it. We've got the prequal. Prequal letter. Hey. Yay. And what so congratulations. We? When you get to that point, you've done a lot of work already. Yeah. So we, we, yay, we get excited. It's and a we lot say, of documentation. It's a lot of documentation. It's a lot of back and forth. I just remember, you know, going through my process and they're like, I need W-2s. I need two years. Uh, it wasn't quite what we need. We need another year. We need statements. Uh, the statement has another person's name on it. I need a letter. Uh, I need a letter here. I need a letter there. I need a letter there. And it's like, oh, it's a lot, guys. There's a lot of asks here. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, it is, but be flexible, be willing to be you diligent. Know, yes, and you know, be able to get that information. Get it done for for this lender because they're trying to help you. That's right. And when you get that prequal letter, then it's like, okay, then your loan originator is going to loop with your agent and say, hey, here's Jimmy and Sue's. Uh, uh, prequal letter and then your agent's going to connect back with you Mr. or Mrs. Buyer and say okay um, this is what your your eligibility limit is but what's your level of comfort and it's yeah. not just about the payment maybe you're pre-qualified at a certain level but maybe you only want to spend X amount and right. that's when we can get into the details how many bedrooms did you say you wanted? Does it have to have in a garage? Must mm -hmm. it be attached? Are you mean the city or the country, septic or well or not, public water? And that's when we finally can get back into the MLS, the multiple listing service, the electronic listings, and go through and create an auto email for you so we can start getting emails sent to you with listings that meet your criteria. Did you just tell me I could start my house hunt? Yeah. We can start looking for houses now. Yes. And that's the next step. That's the next step is getting all of that set up, getting all of your, your, your wants and your needs in there, and setting up those, those parameters and profiles on your search so that you don't miss anything, or we can get you as much as possible. That fits what you're looking for, and, and that's really what starting the house hunt looks like. And then from that, you're telling us, you know, we see something you like, then we go to the next step. Now we're contacting the agent or the electronic showing service and we're booking appointments. Now we're booking showings. Right. Right. And we have that pre-call in our hand. We're sending it to the other agent, the list agent, 
because most of the time and a majority of the time, that's what they're requiring as that's your entry ticket. That's mm -hmm. your ticket to the show. That's a good way of saying it. Right? This is your ticket to your show is your prequal. And so you need that. And so we're going to submit that. And we're going to keep that handy. Right? And so that we're going on showings now. What is that? How do we... What do we look like there? So I think that's kind of an interesting thing for people to know too, because we're I think sometimes buyers thinks we're calling the seller and asking them specifically. And does that happen from time to time? Yes, sometimes it does. But do understand that the seller also has their own agent. So it's right. agent to agent communication. There's different tools for that. Yes. Sometimes it's a text or it's an email or something directly, but we also have these cool tools for agents. Hey, cool um, Josh just talked about the electronic uh, showing service that we all, most of us use. And so we are requesting an appointment and it has to be confirmed. You miss, miss buyer when you say, I want to go tomorrow at two. Great. I'm available then. You're available then. But now I've got to request this appointment. We have to wait until we're confirmed, especially if that house is owner occupied. And again, we're asking these owners to leave the home so we can come and see it. So it takes a little back and forth and it takes time to schedule. And so with scheduling, there could be up to six people we need to confirm schedules with just to show a house. Exactly. Right. So, so we think have about that. We have the sellers, right? Sellers, sellers. So we have, you know, maybe a spouse there. So that's two people or and kids, maybe. And then Pets. we have the listing agent, and then we have, you know, the showing agent or the selling agent, potentially. Mm -hmm. Then we have the buyers, buyer, buyers. And sometimes the buyer wants to bring grandma with them, or sometimes they want to bring their dad because their dad's a contractor and he's going to give it a look over. Yeah. There's a lot of people we're coordinating every step of a, a transaction or even just the showings with at this so point. So we've got 10 people on the administrative side and we've got, you know, <laughs> up to six people on the, showing. on the retails, on the retail side, the consumer facing side. You got it. For showing. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot, it's, again, a lot of people, a lot of moving parts. Yep. We're juggling a lot of things. Patience, persistence, preparedness. It all goes back to that. Well, I think we're going to stop there for today's episode. We've covered a lot of information. And, uh, surrounding the buyer's basics. Um, we've covered what Gavin and I do for our intakes, for our clients, the questions we ask. We covered a little bit about the uh, financing aspect of it, who you should talk to. We covered the people involved on the transaction. So we've said a lot of things. We're going to let that sink in with you guys. So I hope everybody's doing well. Be sure to check us out on social media at Get Real Estate Podcast. And you can send us an email, too, at getrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, until next time, there's definitely going to be a part two, so I hope you guys tune in. So until then, have a great day. Thank you for tuning in with us today. We hope to see you next time. We're going to be doing this a lot more, so to be sure to leave us a review and a rating as it lets us reach more people and lets us know how we're doing. We hope you're doing well. Cheers until next time.